0: This is The Law School Show. What's going on, Rish? Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks a lot for all your support and listening to the podcast. We truly, truly appreciate it. And especially a shout out to everybody who helps us put these episodes together. Thanks a lot for your continued support.
1: Big thanks for sure. Check it out on iTunes. Take it with you. Um, all the back episodes, one through the current. Today, great story, man. What a great talk we had with Steve Birkin.
0: It, it was a very humbling and a candid conversation that we had with Steve. Probably one of the best interviews we have brought to you.
1: Absolutely. I loved it. Um, Steve is in third year law school and does not have an articling position. He went through the second year OCI process, had infirm interviews, he talks all about those. And he talks about his perspective of it, and he talks about the way he felt after realizing that he didn't land the job. He went through the articling recruitment, same story there, infirms, discusses the process and how he felt afterwards not having a job. Then he sums up by giving some pointers and talking about how he's approaching landing an articling position while going through his third year of academics. This is... Yeah, people are going to be able able
0: to relate to this story. So without further talk from us, let's not hold you guys back anymore. Here is the Law School Show.
1: What's up, guys? Good,
0: what is this, Wednesday morning.
1: It's uh, moving into late fall, but we're chatting with Steve Birkin. Going to get the lowdown on what it means to go through OCI's, what it means to go through articles, and not land a job. See how that feels when you're sitting in third year. Take it right from the source. So, uh... We're looking forward to the chat. Steve's right here. we got Reach my man on my right, as well. Um, so Steve, tell us a
2: little bit about who you are, I
1: mean, what you do in your undergrad, uh, what are you into outside of law school?
2: All right, guys, thanks for having me. Um, I did my undergrad at Worth Laurier. Um, I did it in business, so I do have a BBA. Um, I do have a background in business. So I also have a musical background. Uh, music's always been a really big part of my life. play guitar. Um, I absolutely love it, and um, yeah, pretty much here I am. That's what led me uh, to Ottawa. Have you played
1: in bands? Did you tour around Canada or play in the US or anything?
2: So uh, yeah, I've played in a lot of different places. I used to do a lot of uh, gigging in high school. Uh, That's where the majority of my playing was done. Uh, I've played in Vegas uh, at the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Wow. Uh, I've played in LA. I actually played on a cruise ship uh, <laughs> over the summer. So uh, I've seen a few places. Yeah, That's for sure. So yeah.
1: It's legit. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I like
2: to think so. I like to think so. So, what,
0: what we'll do in this interview is we'll break it down from first year law school to second year law school, and then eventually to your articling uh, experience that you had or the interview process for articling. So can you speak a bit about your first year experience in law school, what did you do, and how was your first year summers? So uh,
2: first year, I'm sure like most students will tell you, uh, is definitely a transitional year. Uh, You go from your undergrad, which wherever that may come from, uh, to law school, which is definitely um, a a big difference, and a lot of students uh, generally find that there's a few hurdles. Uh, that they have to overcome. Uh, it's, it's just a different way of studying. Uh, it's a different way of understanding material. Exams, a lot of people don't um, have any experience writing 100% exams, so that's uh, generally a really stressful experience for students. Definitely. Um, coming from a business background, I think I had uh, a pretty good idea of what to expect because I had encountered a lot of this type of um, studying and analysis, right? In law school, it's very analytical. Uh, there's a lot of application-based testing, mm-hmm. which is also very similar to business, but for students that come from a variety of, or an assortment of different backgrounds, trying to wrap your head around um, thinking that way is a struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, so first year for sure definitely is transitional and it takes you a little bit of time. Before you understand how to read and how to handle the workload that's given to you, because it is, it's an immense workload. Um, the exam process for your first uh, semester where you have that first set of exams, very stressful. It's a lot of pressure. Um, but you know what? It's it's something that everybody has to do. Um, so that was one of the things that got me through, just knowing and understanding that it's not just me that's in this position. Everybody else is dealing with the exact same
0: stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did, did you, when you came into law school, did you want to work in like a Bay Street law firm? Is that where your goal was to do corporate law or that evolved as you've gone through law school?
2: Yeah, so my my goal was always to try and combine both my interests in business and law. So before I even got into law school, I knew I was gonna try and uh, keep that business background at the uh, top of mind. Uh, so once I eventually got into law school, and it, it stayed with me pretty much up until this point, uh, I do wanna try and combine those interests, and I wanna do something corporate business related.
1: Did you do any extracurriculars first year?
2: Yeah, so uh, in first year they give you the opportunity to do a moot, uh, so I did do the first year moot. Um, and that, that's also a very interesting experience because um, there's definitely times where you have to bunker down and it's really stressful because you have all this work dedicated to the moot, while also the immense workload that comes with law school. Right. Um, but it's a worthwhile experience. Uh, it gives you an understanding um, definitely of how litigation sort of works uh, and whether or not the MOOC covers area that, um, areas that you're interested in. It's still beneficial because it helps you in your courses because you're doing similar work in a lot of the courses that you have to do. do you um, have anything else? I also volunteered with a student club, the Music, Entertainment and Sports Law uh, Society. Uh, I took on a position as treasurer with them, and I did that for two years, actually. Oh, was it sure. worthwhile? Yeah, it was great. You get, uh, you get to be with a close-knit group of people, uh, so socially it's great, but also it allows you to contribute a little bit to the school, uh, which is one thing that I've always kind of tried to do wherever I've gone, extracurricular activities have always been uh, a large part of what I try to do. Mm-hmm. Same yes. Yes. So thing. Yeah, go ahead,
0: Rich. <clears throat> and what about your first year summer started?
2: So, my first year summer, um, I utilized some personal contacts uh, to basically get involved with a real estate investment trust. So I had the opportunity to work for an in-house counsel. Um, basically what my responsibility was, uh, it was dedicated to conducting pretty much myself the due diligence for a very, very large Acquisition mm-hmm. uh, that the company was making it was valued at over a billion dollars the company that they were acquiring um, And it covered about a hundred and eighty properties So it was an immense workload and it was an experience that a lot of first-year students don't uh, Get exposed to uh, Because of the nature of the deal and it's just it we're, we're talking about series business here. Yeah um, And like this is essentially how businesses run, right? A lot of students don't get exposed to that side of the business. Especially in first year. So. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was, a, it was a really, really great and useful experience. And that was full-time and paid? Yeah. Yes, nice. it was. Fantastic. Yeah.
1: Okay, so now we're moving into second year. September drops. You're out of the real estate investment trust, and we're back into the <laughs> academic swing. Mm-hmm. So uh, how's,
2: how are things looking rolling into OCIs? Um, stressful. Yeah, I get, uh, that's probably the best word that comes to mind. Um, you hear from upper stu- upper year students, yeah. oh the oh, the dreaded OCI process. Oh, you're getting ready for OCIs. Oh, oh OCIs are coming up. Uh, there, there's definitely an aura of uh, of stress. I think <laughs> around this this idea of the OCI process. Where does that stress come from, or where did it come from for you? Um, it's tough. I th- I think it comes from a few different areas. It's it's oh will I get a job? That's probably the number one, but I think it goes deeper than that. Am I qualified to get a job? Mm-hmm. All these students that are around me, am I am I good at, am I as good as them? Am I better than them? What, what qualifies me to get a job over them? Uh, so it's a lot of self-reflection um, and just overall, like, a ton of stress. Mm-hmm. How am I going to handle these interviews? I've never had a 17-minute interview yeah. before. What's it going to be like? Am I going to get any interviews, right? There's all these questions that are going through
0: your head. Did you do anything in the summertime to prepare yourself for the OCI process in the sense attending firm tours, meeting with people in different firms?
2: I personally did not. Um, My thought was that I know what I bring to the table uh, and I'm confident in my abilities. And I think that will be enough to A, get me interviews and hopefully take that one step further and get a job. That was my thought going into OCI's. Mm -hmm. When OCI's actually came around, it was definitely more stressful than I had anticipated um, because essentially, for those that don't know much about the OCI process, you basically have one day where you can schedule up to 20 interviews, let's say. Uh, Each interview is about 17 minutes long. If you think about it, depending on how many interviews you have, that's a ton of preparation. You're meeting with one or two people for seventeen minutes, and depending, you can have a lot of interviews. You can have a few interviews. Mm-hmm. It's still it's a lot of pressure. So, how many interviews
1: did you line up for the OCI day?
2: I had five interviews for OCIs. All right. Um, and so, obviously, that requires me to you got to go out and do research on five different firms. Mm -hmm. you got to find out about, if you have the opportunity to find out about who you're interviewing with, you need to know a little bit about them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you also need to know yourself, right? That's one thing that I think a lot of people probably tend to overlook. You need to know yourself. You need to know your resume inside and out because you can get any question, right? It's not, this is not a formal process. They can ask you anything.
0: And these firms were mainly corporate firms, or they were a diverse. So range? these
2: were mainly mid to large sized uh, national firms offering a variety of sort of full service firms. Okay. Okay. So let's blast the future just
1: for a second. So how many in firms did you get from those five OCIs?
2: From those five OCIs, I received one interview. Right. So
1: let's talk about the four interviews on OCI that you did not get right. uh, in firms from, so right. talk about them globally, pick them apart one by one, what was your impression, how'd they go?
2: Um, that's actually one of the the crazy things about OCRs because obviously the day ends and you think back, okay well how did I do, how did this interview go? Or sometimes there's one specific thing that might stick out, oh, oh I said this, but you know what, I really should have said this instead. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a huge jumble of thoughts that go through your head at the end of the day. Uh, constantly evaluating, how did I do, what did I do wrong, what didn't I do wrong. Uh, so for me, obviously, that's exactly what was going on in my head. The five interviews I was thinking about, okay, well, how did this one go? And f- the general idea I had about each one was that, you know what, I thought they all went okay. Yeah. I didn't feel bad about any of them. And... In talking with um, some colleagues, it seemed like the general impression was everybody sort of felt that way. Yeah, there were some people that knew, okay, maybe this interview didn't go particularly well. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, it seemed like everybody had that same general idea. Oh yeah, you know what, it went okay. Which I think is understandable, right? Because you're dealing with um, people who are just as smart as you are, if not smarter. They have the same backgrounds, if not more diverse backgrounds than you. You're dealing with very, like, it's a competitive environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and trying to pinpoint, oh, well, what is it that I did that was really good? Or what uh, What did I do that wasn't really good? Sometimes it's a little, dip, a little bit difficult to do. Um, for me, I couldn't really think of anything that really stood out in terms of what I did wrong. So when I got the emails... Uh, from those four four firms saying no, you know what we're not going to be inviting you back. Unfortunately, for in- for in firms, um, a it's it's defeating mm-hmm. um, because you think oh well, what did I do wrong? What could I have done better? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you're not going to get that information. Firms aren't going to put in their email. Oh, this is what you did wrong, or this is what you could could have done better.
0: Did you Did you reach out to any of those firms to get more feedback? I didn't,
2: um, but having said that, I think it's probably not a bad idea to do, however, once you get that email that says, you know what, no, we're not inviting you back, the only thing that's going through your head is, oh, well, I'm defeated, I feel like crap. Yeah. Um, that and it, It's tough to be able to transition from, oh, I'm so defeated, to, you know what, I want to reach out to them to figure out what I did wrong. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot of emotions that are involved, for sure. Um, so for me, I didn't reach out to anybody. Um,
1: and you're not necessarily going to get an answer back anyway. Yeah. Right? But that's
2: the thing, true. Yeah, uh, They're they an very pack.
0: busy at that point of time, too. Yeah.
2: yeah. Right? And you, you have to also think about how many students these people are meeting with. Yeah. They're not just meeting with your school. They're meeting with schools all across Ontario, even sometimes outside of Ontario. Mm-hmm. So just the influx of students that they're meeting with. The ch- chances are they're not going to really remember your interview if you didn't get uh, that that next step passed on to you yeah.
1: so with the benefit of hindsight you wouldn't have done anything differently in those four interviews?
2: Honestly no I don't think so um, the only possible thing that I can think of that I would attempt to do differently is convey more confidence um, and that, I think that's one thing that probably distinguishes people
1: so how do you how would you have done
2: that it's tough you know it's there's no real formula for just conveying confidence it's it should hopefully come naturally but it doesn't to everybody some people are more timid some people are more introverted i think of myself along those lines okay um while others are really extroverted and i i think in this oci process those that are more extroverted I think have a leg up um, and just in speaking with colleagues and finding out, okay, who actually went to the next level, who got the infirms, who got the jobs, the trend, in my opinion, seemed like it was more extroverted people. Mm-hmm.
0: What kind of, when you were going through the actual in- OCI interviews, what kind of questions were you being asked? Were they mainly professional questions or they were?
2: It was Anything it really? Anything from A to Z. Um, I had one which was really professional, really formal, mm-hmm. um, where they said, Oh, talk about your experience at Wilfrid Laurier. Talk about your experience at your summer job." And then I had one which said, "No, talk to me about the Leafs. How do you like the Leafs? What do you What do you think about their chances?" Yeah. Um, so. it it really ranges because again, you you can't really prepare for what questions are coming because it could range, uh, from really formal Mm -hmm. to really informal. Um,
1: so there wasn't much of a distinction in your mind between how the interview went on OCI day that you actually landed an infirm from and the other four that you didn't.
2: No, honestly, no.
1: Okay. Yeah. So let's move forward to the infirm interview then. All right. how, yep. did you, how did you um, just describe the day? Describe the interview process itself. How did you feel it went? So n-
2: naturally, the, the, the theme of the week, I guess, is stress. Yeah. <laughs> so you have another stressful process. You come, you're walking into a firm. Um, in most cases, they put you basically in a room uh, with their existing students plus other students that are also interviewing. Yeah. This was
1: a large firm, mid-sized?
2: Uh, this, was a, this was a large firm. Okay. This was a large Bay Street firm. Uh, so I, I walk in, welcome, welcome, thank you for coming in. Uh, they put me into a room, a fairly large room. Uh, there's a, a spread of food, of course.
0: Yeah. Um, Smoothies sometimes? Yeah, there's
2: <laughs> a spread of food, water, <laughs> coffee, all of the above. Yeah. Um, also in that room are there existing students, as well as students that are interviewing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, so right off the bat, you have to start making an impression. You have to come in and it, it's, that almost was kind of um, scary mm-hmm. you know, because you're not thinking right off the bat, you're gonna come in and have to put your game face on. Yeah. Right? A lot of times the thought is yeah, I'm gonna walk into the firm or I'm gonna walk in wherever I'm interviewing, take a couple minutes to review my notes, yeah. make sure I'm on the right page. But no, you don't get that opportunity. Yeah, it's
1: not like being at the doctor's office. It's, <laughs> no, it's like you're not waiting exactly. in the
2: lobby. It's like you're right into yeah. a social situation. Exactly. Yeah, it's a, the best way to describe it. You you're right turn it on, I think, experience. as
0: soon as you get in the elevator. Yeah, because you're yeah. surprised who you're gonna run into in the elevator.
2: Right, um, and for me, uh, that was definitely scary because I felt right off the bat I was being judged.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: And I, I think that's what it is. You are. You're. They're starting to make judgment calls. From the minute you walk in the door mm-hmm. and that's a scary part and this was
0: monday morning i'm guessing yeah
2: this was it. monday morning
1: okay um so did you pick a couple people and just start small talk with your glass of water or whatever? yeah, yeah. So I,
2: I got a glass of water i walked over uh to some of the students and i just started talking to them okay um and to be honest a lot of that felt very forced mm-hmm. because what do you do you can't just stand there you have to start talking to somebody yeah Sometimes they'll walk over to you. Other times they'll stand where they are, and they're they're expecting you to walk over. Like that—that's exactly what happened. I had uh, one gentleman walked over to me and started a conversation with me. He then left to speak to somebody else, and I was left there standing. So I'm thinking to myself, "Well, I can't just sit sit here like standing by myself, right? I have to go speak to somebody." So then it was up to me to go walk over and talk to either existing students as well as other people that were interviewing.
0: So how long were you in that situation before somebody came and took you for your first interview? That was
2: about 20 minutes.
0: 20 minutes? That's about Twenty minutes. wow. Yeah, it
2: was, yeah, it, and it's very stressful. Yeah. Um, the other interesting thing is you, you're forced to talk to people that you were interviewing with, mm-hmm. which sometimes, um, I don't know, sometimes I think that, that can, can go against you because If you speak to somebody that's really extroverted and trying to sell themselves to you, you start thinking, oh, well, hold on a minute. Am I as good as this person? Right? And I think sometimes that's done on purpose to throw you off your game because you're competing with so many other people for a limited set of jobs. Um, And other times, maybe it's not so purposefully done, um, but it's just an indirect effect of just what's going on. Right.
0: So, how many people did you actually end up meeting during your infirm, and how did you feel those interviews went?
2: uh so first off, the way it worked—I'm trying to remember now—the way it worked was that you basically had um, one person who was responsible for taking you around the firm and taking you to your uh, interviews, basically. So. It, In that respect, it's almost an interview within an interview (laughs) because you have all of these faces that are basically, again, I don't want to use the word, like saying that they're judging you, sounds negative. And I don't mean it to sound negative, but that's essentially- Evaluating
1: is probably a better word. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, I would say so. Um, But the bottom line is somebody is watching your every move. Everything that comes out of your mouth is being noted. So how did you, did you feel like your
1: conversation flowed well in the interviews? I did. Uh,
2: The gentleman that was taking me around, I thought we had, right right off the bat, I thought we got along really well.
0: Yeah. Um, And this was an articling student? This was an associate. Associate. This was an
2: associate. Um, So I thought I got, I thought I developed some rapport almost immediately with him. He then took me to my first interview of the day there with uh, which was with a partner um which again it's almost like the same thing as ocis you don't quite know what's gonna happen because for the most part this is a fairly informal process it's not like a formal interview that um if if you have interviewing experience Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's very formal and this is just totally throws all of that out the door yeah Uh, so they again they ask you anything sometimes they're asking you about what you did over the summer sometimes they're just asking you about what kind of sports you play or what kind of hobbies you have yeah uh, and ultimately it's not necessarily about the answer that you give them uh, or what experience you have or what's what you bring to the table but they're evaluating the the fit yeah. and that's that word that gets thrown around here in, in law school and law school interviewing fit. Nobody knows really what it is. Nobody can define it. Uh, There's no formal equation for fit. It's essentially a judgment call on the firm's end. Fit. They're looking for fit. Who will fit with the firm? And from the interviewees...
1: And I think that's not so much... And I think... So if fit had to do with two things, one being the the individual themselves, Mm -hmm. and the other part being their experiences and their skills. Right. I think it's more so the individual themselves. Absolutely. Maybe like 70-30.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. At at least 70-30. Because what you have to remember, um, unfortunately, is that you're dealing with very competitive people. You're all in law school, right? So we're talking about like top 2% of educated people, right? Um, Everybody is smart. Everybody has good experience. Everybody brings a lot to the table everybody is yeah. in a very good position to get a job.
0: Especially by the time you get to the infirm state, everybody yeah. is pretty much on level playing field. Right. And at, at that point, I think it maybe 90% comes down to just fit at that point. Right,
2: yeah. I, and I 100%, 100% agree with that. Yeah.
1: So were there any moments during that infirm where you were like, God, this is not fitting. Or
2: alternatively, that was really good. Like I really gelled with that person. I thought all of my interviews went very well. Okay. It honestly did. Yeah. Um, each of, the, uh, each of the partners that I met with, I thought I built rapport right off the bat. I thought my answers were confident, um, and I thought I did a good job of communicating what I could bring to the firm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The issue that I had um, was actually the, that night. So sometimes the uh, firms take students out for dinners. Other times they'll have a cocktail party mm-hmm. actually at the firm. And that was the, that was the case in this scenario. There was a cocktail party at the firm. Okay. So after a day of interviewing, I come back to the firm to do, to this cocktail party. Yeah. Again, don't really know what to expect. Is it going to be a lot of people? Is it going to be a few people? Is it going to be in a huge room? Is it going to be in a small room? And the punchline is that it was not at all what I expected naturally. Um, basically they, they throw you into a tiny room with, which simply cannot hold the number of people, uh, that are there. So right off the bat, first off, you can't move because there's so many people in this little room. Yep. But when you, what, when you think about what you have to do in this situation, the whole point of the cocktail party is to mingle. Right, you need to make impressions with as many people as possible. That's the whole point of it. Yeah. Because if you go there and you talk to one person, what's the point of going, right? There are multiple people on student committees and it's your job as an interviewee to try and meet all those people and make impressions with all those people because that's how eventually you're gonna get a job.
0: Did you know before going to the reception who the student committee was and who you wanted to meet? No. No.
2: Uh, No, and the other thing is, again, There's just so many people. It's overwhelming. So you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, who do I go speak to, right? Do I need to go to that person or or that person? It's all very overwhelming. Uh, So that was was the first issue I had uh, with this cocktail party. The second issue I had, it all felt very, very forced. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is while I was talking to people, I felt as though I had to put on a special face I had to act in a certain way that maybe wasn't myself um and the whole purpose of doing that right you're thinking oh well I have to be on my best behavior I have to act in a certain way so that I get this job Um, and you know at the end of the day if me being myself wasn't good enough then it just was not meant to be Um, but I think trying to, to wrap your head around that, it's a tough thing, right? Because because it's so competitive to get a job, and you're in your second year, and oh, what, what am I gonna do if I don't get a job? Yeah. So you, you, you put on the, this facade, and it all ultimately felt very forced to me.
0: And how long were you there for the reception?
2: About an hour and a half. Okay. About an hour and a half. It's pretty long. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah
0: did you speak, Did you find yourself speaking with a variety of people? I spoke
2: to a number of people. Yeah. But as I said, there was a very huge issue trying to get around the room because it was so packed, right? But you have to get around the room. So it's, it's, it's really difficult. yeah, because I would have thought in knowing that students are trying to mingle as best they can and get around the room, they would have made the environment more conducive to that as opposed to basically throwing you in a can like sardines, which is how I felt. Yeah.
0: And so even taking, sorry, a step back after the your I guess three interviews that you yep. had during the infirms when they were done, did you hear from anybody or did what did they say anything about the next day? Oh, they did didn't say
2: get... anything about the next day, but they uh, <laughs> invited me back to the cocktail party and they said, oh, I really hope you come to the cocktail party.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, so in hearing that I felt good. I felt um, some sort of sense of um, like almost entitlement almost that yeah. Oh, you know what? They're saying this to me. Maybe, maybe I actually have a, maybe I have a, a chance at this. Yeah. Um, when in actual fact, I think they were just saying that to everybody. So it's, I don't know. It's, it's a, a very emotional process to, yeah. to be totally honest. There's a lot of running emotions going on and jumbled emotions.
1: <laughs> so it's, it's Wednesday, it's call day, it's 5 p.m., it's 5.03, it's 5.05, you don't get a call. What's going through your mind?
2: So I'm I just going to backtrack, actually. I knew before Wednesday came around that I did not get the job. Really? Um, after the cocktail party, I spoke to, uh, I want to say it was the head of the student committee. Yeah. Um, and she had mentioned to me the next steps that would take place. And those were as follows. The student committee and a number of the partners would be meeting after the cocktail party. And you got to remember, this is like 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. Right. So they're meeting and they're making these decisions from like 11 to 1am. Um, and she had relayed the fact that after they made the decisions, they would be emailing, uh, candidates, Pretty much that night to have some people back the next day or some people possibly back on wednesday mm-hmm. so it was actually monday night i got home from the cocktail party and i'm watching my phone i'm watching my phone i'm, I'm sitting there ner like nervous uh my nerves are shot totally shot and i'm just praying that i get an email
0: mm-hmm.
2: One o'clock rolls around and I still don't have an email, so I think to myself, you know what, maybe they just couldn't get it all all done in one night. You think about it, there's like a hundred more, over a hundred people that they have to evaluate. It was already 11 o'clock after I left. They they can't possibly do this all. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to go to bed, I'll uh, try to refresh and we'll we'll figure this out the next day. Uh, I think it was about like a half hour, 45 minutes after I went to bed. I saw my phone uh, vibrate. I looked, it was 1.45 in the morning. Mm-hmm. An email basically saying, thanks for coming in. Sorry, you don't have the job. Oh. That was essentially, that was the uh, the essence of it. Um, in other words, it was the PFO. I'm not gonna explain what the PFO is. <laughs> if you know what it is, you'll get what I'm
0: talking about. Did you, uh, after your interns <laughs> and after the cocktail party, did you send any emails, thank you emails or anything? Absolutely, absolutely.
2: Yeah. Um, I sent an email to that person, the head of the student committee. I sent an email uh, to all the partners that I met with, as well as the gentleman that was responsible for basically taking me around.
0: Mm -hmm. And did you get any replies from them? One. One?
2: Only one of five people responded. That's not uh, atypical, though. I
1: mean, I I feel as though, again, they're just super busy, right? and They're getting dozens and dozens of emails, so... Right, okay. but at the, at the
2: same time, with that, like you think, if you put in two seconds, two minutes to write this email, I think they should have. Um, I don't know. I I think they should be responding. Yeah. There's they certainly, be there's nice certainly enough enough a professional to, courtesy there. Right. Right. Like in understanding what these students are going through, I think they should sort of recognize that yeah. and just regardless of whether or not you got the job like just returned the email you know what thanks for coming in uh had a really great time with you just uh, i'm sorry that it it turned out the way it did something as simple as that
0: yeah so at five o'clock you weren't holding your breath on wednesday no but how did you feel on tuesday i guess after you got that email monday night yeah defeated yeah incredibly defeated uh
2: it's just it's not a good feeling right um you get that rejection and Rejection always sings. Yeah, it's it's universal. Nobody likes rejection. Yeah, um, but in, in this sense, I think it it might have been um, expanded a little bit that rejection uh, or inflated. Um, here you are, you're a second year law student. There's this aura around second year jobs. Oh, everybody, you need to get a second year job, or else you won't get an articling job. Um, right, that's that, that's the thought that kind of goes through your head, and that's what you hear from a lot of people. Uh, so the immediate aftermath is, oh man, uh, what am I gonna do? Uh, I don't have a job at a law firm. I'm not gonna get an articling job. What am I possibly gonna do? I I I'm screwed. Like there's just so many different things that are going through your head. But the the gist of it is defeat. Yeah. Morally, physically mentally, emotionally, you're just defeated, you're exhausted. And I, I, I think it's a natural feeling that comes with it. Absolutely.
1: So you, I mean, you start to swallow the pill. Yeah. You go back, you finish up second year, pour yourself back into your academics. But inevitably you're in these social situations where some of your friends have jobs, Right. others don't, people are talking about their positive experiences from OCIs. Right. So how do you feel in those situations?
2: So... Putting myself back into the shoes of me in second year after OCIs, some people have jobs, some people don't. Um, I think I was able to get over that defeat relatively quickly. Uh, the reason for that was that uh, uh, because my understanding or thought process was you know what? It's not the end of the world, it's only a second year job. I still have plenty of opportunities to do what I'm going to be able, to, what I'm going to want to do, mm-hmm. um, and not everybody gets second year jobs. It's a, again, it's a really competitive process. There are tons of people that were in the same exact situation that I was in. Lots of people don't have jobs uh, come second year summer. So my thought process was, you know what? It just wasn't meant to be. It was not meant to be because you know what, the whole Looking back at how I felt the cocktail party was so forced and the, the facade that I had to put on, the th- my thought was, if I had to do that for a whole summer, I, nah, it wouldn't have worked out. Yeah. I would not have lasted. Um, so I'm, I'm a strong believer in things happen for a reason um, and that things will work themselves out. Uh, w- whether or not that's a, v- a valid philosophy... I don't know. I think it's, but it's my philosophy. I think It's a, it a healthy philosophy. Yeah. So that, that philosophy helped me kind of get over the, uh, the admitted defeat. And in, in talking with my colleagues who did have jobs, again, just trying to keep that philosophy in the back of my mind, that's what got me through. If this person has a job, great. You know what? That was meant to happen for you. Yeah. But it wasn't meant to happen for me at this point in time.
1: And that's okay, right? Yeah.
2: Uh, but that's all. That that's a really tough thing to swallow. Yeah. Right. Not everybody can handle it like yeah. that.
0: Especially when your exams are coming right around the corner. Right. Corner by the time you get back, yeah. Did you try uh, any other processes? Because there are a couple other processes that happen after the Toronto OCI. Did you?
2: Right. Like, so take part of those? after that, I basically reached out to my position that I had in the previous summer. And I was lucky enough that they agreed to have me back. Mm -hmm. So I was still in a decent position. I was still doing legal work. It just wasn't at a law firm, Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, or I had the opportunity to do legal work, a different sort of legal work. But I had a job, right? And regardless, even with those people that didn't have a job like I had, that wasn't uh, law related, it's still only your second year summer. Right. We know as law students that we're going to be working hard for a very long time. Um, And knowing that, I think it's important to try and understand that your time uh, in law school and your time of limited working is, in fact, limited. So trying to do something that's going to allow you to enjoy your summer before you actually have to really get into the nitty gritty. Of being a lawyer, um, I I think is something that a lot of people probably don't necessarily think about. So for those students that don't have a job, um, my my advice would be look to try and 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 enjoy your 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 second year summer right because you know you're going to have to bunker down yeah yeah uh, eventually.
1: So you go through, finish up your academics. How- you know how did the academics go second year? Better or worse than first year?
2: Um, I, pretty much on par, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think on par. It's it's not quite as transitional as first year. Right, first mm-hmm. year you're you're yeah. dealing with a lot of new stuff. You you know the playing field a little bit better, but yeah. you have more.
1: You have more things to deal with with job applications. More stress with the uh,
0: the recruitment processes and whatnot too. Okay,
1: so you go back to the real estate investment trust second year summer. You're working there full-time paid again, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Doing a lot of work, but not in the environment that you would ideally like to be doing it in. Right. Nonetheless, so now you are going to apply for articling positions during the application process in summer. Right. So you put those applications in. How many places did you apply to?
2: So... I actually only applied to about 10 places. So one of the reasons for that was because, Mm -hmm. as I've mentioned, I have a pretty strong idea of what it is that I want to do. And I don't necessarily want to give up on that or just give in to doing something for the sake of getting a job. Uh, So when that time came around to to, to do those applications and to submit those applications, My thought process was, you know what, I'm going to apply to the places that practice in areas that I'm interested in, which to be honest, there were not a lot. There were not a lot of business or corporate uh, type jobs, specifically because, as you guys know, all the large Bay Street firms had already done their recruitment or they weren't externally recruiting because they were taking all of their internal Uh, summer students, those are the students that get first crack, as you guys know. Um, So, your options were really limited. There were not a lot of jobs uh, or opportunities, in my opinion, in this articling process. Uh, And I didn't want to just apply to everything for the sake of applying. Now, looking back, I might change that philosophy. If I had to redo this all over again, I would apply to more places, um, because I don't think I quite understood just how difficult it is out there. Um, and a lot, there is a lot of talk about the state of the profession in terms of outgoing law students and how difficult it is to get a job, but having done that and seeing it, there's a a much better understanding of actually how difficult it is. There's a reality to yeah. the story now, right? <laughs> and a sad reality. So, yeah. how many
1: interviews did you get with uh, your Arctic applications?
2: I got two interviews. Okay. Two interviews on I think I want to say ten applications. It might have yeah. been even le- even less than that. How did those interviews go? That was again. Um, you come in with a, a better understanding of how they're going to go because of because you've done OCIs. So you you know that the interviews are going to be somewhat informal. You can't really plan what kind of questions you're going to get, but you have to know that you have to go in with confidence, know yourself, know your resume, because any question can be possible. And also understanding that you're going to be interviewing with very competitive uh, people, and people that are just as smart and just as experienced, if not more experienced, people bring a a wide uh, diversity and diverse background to the table. Having that in the back of my mind, I think allowed me to go in a little bit more confident uh, than than I was in OCIs. But again, one of the issues that I had in planning those interviews was you don't really know how many interviews you're going to get on that interview call day, right? Um, so your, your thought process is, okay, call day is coming up. 9am or 8.30am on whatever day it was you're thinking okay I, I hope to get as many interviews as i possibly can and the, what you're thinking of in your head is okay well how do i schedule all these interviews that are going to come in it's a tough thing to do if you don't know what interviews are coming in so
0: in this case in the uh for the article you didn't get the emails ahead of time like you would and i only well. had one email ahead of time okay
2: um so i honestly was not sure what would be coming in yeah um so i got the first call at whatever, whatever right on the dot eight fifty nine, 59 turned turn 9 pm there's a call um so i proceeded to try and schedule that for one time um i got the next call so i waited i think i think i, I scheduled about two hours In between, I figured the the first call had said I would be there for one hour. They explicitly said over the phone that I would be in the office for one hour. Yeah. It was uptown, uh, so I figured, okay, you know what? I can get uh, to my next interview relatively quickly. If I leave an hour in between the end of my first interview and the start of my second interview, that should be fine because I didn't want to separate them too far, just in case more calls came.
1: Getting yeah. the impression that it wasn't
2: fine. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Um, but that original, like, planning of the schedule—it's you're thinking in your head. Well, if more interviews come, then I need to schedule them. You yeah. want to schedule them all on the on the first yeah. day, yeah. right? Yeah, good approach. I would've done the same thing. Yeah. So However, you go you go to that first interview. You, yeah. late. The, the the first interview comes around. An hour goes by, I'm still there. An hour and a half goes by, I'm still there.
0: And this Inter- is your meeting, like variety of people went out for the next? Yeah,
1: meeting. Good conversations, you feel like it's flowing well.
2: Uh, I thought it was a little, a little dry, um, but I think that was just the nature of the firm. Mm-hmm. It was a smaller firm, mm-hmm. uh, very small firm, uh, focused in real estate, which is one of the interests that I had. Um, and it was, uh, I think, I think it was just very informal. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think just the the nature of the firm, right? There's not, it's not a Bay street firm. So there's no swag factor. There's no flashiness. Uh, so I think it was the nature of the firm. Yeah. So here I am, it's an hour and a half later, an hour and 45 minutes later. Wow. And I'm thinking to myself, well, hold on a minute. They said I was only supposed to be here for an hour. The fact that I'm still here is a, Really good sign that they right. want me to meet more people. Yeah. However, I have an interview in twenty minutes. Oh my god! And it was an interview with the firm that I was really, really interested in. Mm-hmm. So, here I am. I'm starting to panic because I, I I'm at this one firm. I don't want to screw up this interview, but at the same time, I, re- I have my hopes set really on this second interview. So what you do? I tried to to get out of there as diplomatically, uh, as, as professionally as possible. Um, and that's a tough, tough thing to do because yeah. if you, you show that you want to get out of there to them, you're, you're kind of showing them that you're not interested. So you're, it's a balancing factor. You have to prove to them that, you know what, I am really interested in this job but at the same time, you have to understand that I have it, multiple interviews. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that the firms should understand. And yeah. They should recognize. They shouldn't put that against students. And I feel like in my situation, that's what ended up happening. I, uh, I communicated my interest. I'll be honest. I'll tell you. I'll say exactly what I said. I said, look, I'm really interested. I'm down to your firm and one other firm. I have an interview that I need to get to but I'm 100% interested. And if you can communicate that to the, the, the person that was responsible for, uh, mm-hmm. for emailing me, would be great. Um, and it seemed like the person that I was interviewing with at the time understood, mm-hmm. but eventually, but even still, it, you, you feel
0: just weird. Yes, yeah, so having that conversation with them, especially when you're interviewing. It's a tough sad.
2: conversation to have. So you get out of there, and you blast down. Yep. Back downtown. I'm, I'm like my nerves are just uh, again my <laughs> you're, nerves are shot. You're, I'm freaking out. You're sweating <laughs> on the TTC. Yeah, big time, big time. Like oh man, I'm gonna be late to this interview. And did I'm you gonna, arrive late? I didn't. I I literally arrived on the dot. Good. <laughs> and how did that? Dot. So how did that that go through the firm? There was a mix-up there uh, because. To be safe, I called and said there's a possibility that I might be late. Because I didn't want to just show up late unannounced, right? I wanted to cover my ground, which I thought would be a good idea to do. Um, So I get there. I end up getting there actually on time. Yeah. And um, I think there was some sort of mix-up because they thought I arrived late. So I ended up sitting there for about half an hour until somebody came to, to interview me when somebody came to interview me, it was actually, it ended up being the second interviewer. And at the start of that interview, she said, oh, well, I understand that you've already met with so-and-so. Uh-huh. And I said, oh, but no, I, I actually haven't yet. This is, this is my first interview. And you could tell she just had no idea. Wow. So there was a, a, very, like a re- very serious communication uh, fail.
0: Who did you on, call to let them know that you possibly might be late?
2: Just one of the uh, the secretaries. Yeah. Um, but again, I, I actually ended up arriving RIA. on time. I went in there. I said, I said, here here I am, Stephen Birkin checking yeah. in, uh, yada yada. Um, so eventually they figured it out. I ended up meeting with that first person. Yeah. I ended up meeting with the second person who was who I was originally supposed to meet with. Uh, I then met with a third person. All the interviews went very, very well. Okay. Very, very well. I was really confident. Um, I even, they, they communicated to me that the interview went very, very well. Uh, right off the bat, they said, we want you to come in uh, the, the following day for another interview. Sweet. So I'm feeling great, okay, excellent. Um, I don't hear anything from the first firm. Mm -hmm. that night. I send emails regardless, thanking them for having me in, communicating uh, communicating my interest again, uh, but I don't hear anything. So I think, okay, you know what? Fine. Maybe that's not how they do things because they are really small. Maybe they approach the process a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. So Tuesday rolls around. I go back into the firm that I was invited back to and it was a much different atmosphere. Um, it was the, it was that, that next round, right? Like, yeah, even more competitive because they've now narrowed it down. Um, and I will I'll, I'll give you stats because I think stats are probably important to understand uh, for students that are eventually going to go through this. Um, they communicated that they had received 600 applications, and they were only hiring three people. Right, that wow. that's a tough pill to swallow. I'm shaking my head. It, you, you can't hear that, but that's um, <laughs> <it's a> disbelief. <laughs> that's the state yeah. that the profession is in. But but I mean, you're still on the second day of interviews, right? Like right, you're like way ahead of the curve. Right. Here. <laughs> so here I am. They've already they've narrowed it down to I don't know. Let's call it forty people. Right. From the original hundred, I'm in that group of forty people. Right, I feel some sense of accomplishment. Yeah, I made it this far. Like this is this is great. From six hundred people, here I am. Yeah. Right. Um, and trying to keep that in, in my mind and the same strategy that I had in the first day, which is to convey as much confidence as possible, show them that I know my stuff and that I'm prepared to work and that I know what I bring to the table, all, all of that. Um, and it was a different interviewing experience because. The second day, they, enter- they ended up interviewing with two people at a time, instead of one person at a time. Yeah. So, here I am, I met with two people. Um, I don't want to go too much into the details uh, of what went on with that, but it was, they interviewed very differently than the first group, uh, than the first day. The first day was very informal, everybody was really nice. Uh, this group of, uh, of gentlemen, were a little bit more forceful. It was much more of a formal process, more a formal interview, had a lot of behavioral questions. So like, tell me about a time when yeah, yeah. X, uh, how did you do this? Or what would you have done in this situation? Um, so uh, they were, you could tell that they were trying to not throw you off but they were trying to grill you to see how you could handle the pressure. Yeah. That was I was a tough thing because it wasn't what I uh, was not what I was expecting. Uh, that being said, I think I handled it very well. I then went to a second group of people to interview with. Also, that was very informal and it was very it seemed like they were almost uninterested in what was going on. Um, ended up getting uh, an email of few hours later basically saying again thanks for coming in sorry it didn't work out
1: yeah and
2: that was that so, same kind of feeling <clears throat> after getting the oci worse. responses worse 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 significantly worse um just because i knew how good the first day had gone yeah Right. And it wasn't just a feeling. It wasn't just me telling myself, Oh, that went really well. I was told it went very, very well. Um, and having being told that and it ending up the way it did again, it was incredibly off putting, incredibly off putting. Um, but this again, this is how a lot of the big street firms work, right? It's just, they're, they're so huge. And they have these difficult decisions to make. Um, and it's, it's very subjective, very subjective. Yep. Uh, so here I am, I'm, I'm incredibly defeated, incredibly yeah. defeated to the point where I'm thinking, is this what I wanna do? Wow. Is this what I wanna do? Yeah. Right? And that, that's a tough thing to think about when you're in that situation right You here you, you're you like in you're going into your third year of law school you've already spent all this money on law school and you have that thought is this what i want to do yeah yeah you're like is right? this that's- industry telling me something like <laughs> am i not in line a, is this, this meant
0: to be or yeah. yeah. i right? really not? that is
2: a scary scary thought but it's a it's a thought that i think a lot of people face mm-hmm. just because of how hard it is to get a job uh and that that's the reality there are not as many jobs as there needs to be.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, students are coming out and there's just the amount <laughs> of students that are coming out. There's not enough jobs for them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That's as simple as it is.
0: So now you're back in third year or even after the interview, you had some summer left. Mm-hmm. So what are some steps that you're taking now to line up that article position and how are you going through that process? So now
2: it's, you know, and now it's really on me, and it, it's on it's on the person to try and figure out what the next steps are, because nobody's gonna just hand you a job, right? That's not how this works. There are no more application processes. Left. No, the, there's one formal application process. That's it. Then there's just this ongoing kind of continuing process. Make your own connection. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's networking. It's using any and all possible contacts you have. I'm, I'm talking to my parents, I'm talking to my siblings, I'm talking to friends, I'm talking to family. Just trying to figure out do you know anybody And that's what you have to do. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a very tough process because you have to you have to be proactive right And a lot of people it's, for, for a lot of people, it's not easy to do that. Um, but again, nobody's just gonna say, oh hey, you know what? here we're hiring. Why don't you come in? Yeah, that's really not how it's going to work. Yes, the school um, has some resources, so most schools have some sort of career services or uh, directory that they have where they will post jobs as they hear about them. Mm-hmm. But they're not going out there and trying to figure out where students can get a job. They have some sort of understanding with other Ontario schools that. When one firm goes to one school, all the schools will tell each other about it and they'll post a job. But being, it's now October, um, it's still very early. Because if you think about it, if firms were going to be hiring now or firms were hiring in, in September, why wouldn't they have just gone through the formal process that took place in August? Yeah. And, and that's the reality, right? No firms are really hiring at the moment because it's still so close to the formal process, it just okay. went on. And the fact of the matter is that the remaining firms that may be hiring are all smaller. Um, and so they might not have assessed their needs yet, right? A lot of that doesn't happen until, let's say January, February, March, April, right? A lot of times, um, Students aren't even hearing about opportunities until it's well closer to um, August, to the starting point of articling, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But the fact of the matter is that there are a ton of people that are in the exact same situation that I am. And that's one thing that I've tried to keep in the back of my head to get me through this process. It's not just me that doesn't have a job. It's not just me that's going through this by myself. There's so many people. I, I would go so far as to say is 50% of law students are probably in this situation yeah. at the moment. Now, um, where does that number come from? I have no idea. Uh, just speaking with people and, and knowing. Yeah, it's your impression, right? Knowing what's, what's going on in the profession, right? That's, that's what it seems. Uh, to give you some stats, car- the career services relayed to me that uh, for this year, 400 students signed up for the LPP, which is the, the law practice program. Um, there's roughly 1,600 outgoing law students every year, let's say. Let's say this year there's about 1,600. You have 400 of 1,600 in this LPP process. That's a high number of students.
0: Yeah.
2: Right? That, that's, an, that's an immense number of students without jobs. And that just doesn't cover all the students without jobs because, right, think about the people that don't have jobs aren't necessarily doing the LPP. Some people might just say, you know what, I'm abandoning law and just go do something else. Some people find an article job throughout third year before August. Right. Um, some people just decide to, to find any work they can before trying to do this process all over again. So... That 400, I don't think, is, is a complete representation yeah. of everybody that didn't have a job after their third year. Yeah. I would say it's more like 500, even like 550. When you think about 550, 500, whatever it is, of 1,600 students, mm-hmm. that's insane.
0: And also the 1,600, or the ones that did get jobs, they're not just in Toronto, there's a lot that go nationally to other cities. So if you're just looking for jobs in Ontario, the numbers might be even worse. Right, right.
1: Yeah, that's a good reality for for people to recognize. So there, I mean, law school presents you a lot of opportunities. I think it's important to state that not every program Gives you the opportunity to interview with some of the best employers in the country. Not every program mm-hmm. has those recruiters coming to your school and interviewing people. And that's we should be grateful for that, right. to have those opportunities. But at the same time, a law degree is not a golden ticket to work in a major yep. legal market. Not at all. That's not right. at all. It's a and tough market at, at this point in time. Yeah. And I think uh, I think that's a nice place to wrap it up, Steve. Oh. That was epic, man. I yeah. think that's gonna that's gonna resonate with a lot of people, and it's really important yeah. to share that story. Thanks a lot, man. It no was, problem. I'll just
2: have a couple final words yeah, uh, of, of advice, um, because. I know that there's a lot of students that are in my position and there will be a lot of students that eventually will be in the same situation for, for the lower years that are coming up. Um, it's important to remember that there are other people going through the same thing that you're going through. It's not just you. You're not alone. Um, and while there's this sense of defeat, um, just you have to remember, right? Things that my philosophy, things happen for a reason. Yeah. Things will work themselves out. Um, it's, it's not just you, and I think it's important to try and self-reflect in whatever you thought might have gone wrong and what, what you can do better. Um, but ultimately, it's just important to know that you are going through this with a lot of other people, and that's what the state of the industry is in. Nice. Alright, man. Well, thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks, guys. This is the Law School
1: Show.